We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. DFS pregame show here on Roto Grinders. I'm Jordan Cooper, aka Blender Ed, Blender HD. You want to follow me on Twitter? And it's Tuesday, Tuesday, August 30th. Uh, today's is no, tomorrow's the last day of August. What, how many days are there in August? I have no idea. 30, maybe. I don't know. Good morning, people. Uh, baseball's going on today. We got NFL coming up next week. Uh, Tons of stuff going on MMA this weekend. I will not be. I will not be uh, doing the MMA this weekend. I will not, and that's because I'm, I'm heading up to Chicago for a couple of days. So programming note, programming note. Uh, there'll be no show Wednesday, no show Thursday, no show Friday, and no show the following Monday. So I'll be gone Wednesday through Monday in Chicago. So uh, so don't don't come. You won't see the thumbnails. You won't get the one. You won't tune in or whatever. So so I won't be playing MMA over the weekend. Uh, I won't be doing the expert survey, but you should tune in if you're a premium member to the MMA content, Mike and Liam, the expert survey, the projections, the ownership, everything, feel free, sign up there. I won't even put in the dummy lineups, whatever. I'm just saying, you know, taking off, I'm taking off. I'm, 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 I'm DFS'd out maybe, right? Maybe not to, pl- not many, not playing, but uh, over the past week, I talked a lot, right? I'm, I'm almost, I'm, I'm to the point. I know people may, may, may not believe it. I'm at the point where I think I'm sick of my own voice, okay? Because I had to record, I had to record uh, all of the the theory of daily fantasy sports for advanced players, uh, and then edit it all in in you know in real time, right? 
So I had to listen to it again and then listen to it again to make sure that the edit, you know, I didn't miss anything. So not only did I have to talk through everything, and a lot of times I'm repeating myself in the recording. So I may record a chapter may only be like 30 minutes long, but I may have like a total time period of like two hours and 30 minutes because I stop. And I go, did I, okay, let me re explain that thing again. Right. And then I, then I edit and put the pieces together like that. So so I'm a little, 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 little sick of, uh, I'm, a, I'm sick of explaining DFS. Maybe, maybe I'm sick, but I'll explain it to you this morning. Right. We got the AC 2674 in the chat. Pretty awesome course. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Well, good morning from what does and Suki Singh. Are they related? Cause they both use undercase letters is what does and Suki Singh. Are they, are they in the same household? Does one get like up like 10 minutes earlier than the other? Right. It always, it always feels like, you know, they're always, always together, always hanging out together in the YouTube chat. Joe Max here. Good morning. Fellow grinders, Matt Mears saying he really enjoys the new advanced area DFS course so far. It's not, it's not as long. It's not as long as the first one. Well, the first one you have to explain like, like everything, like the very basic game mechanics of daily fantasy sports. I mean, so there's a lot more explanation. Once you, once you know all that, then, then it's like, Oh, I don't have to, I don't have to re-explain how, how, the, how the, how the game actually, how the game works, works from the start. So, so that's why the, uh, the first course, which is 15 hours long, like that's that's geared more for people that are, are recreational casual players. Okay, so that's that's geared for, geared for them. Hey, anyone that's been playing DFS for a while still benefit from it, right? But it's geared for someone that has at, at least played DFS. So it's not for someone that doesn't know anything about DFS, but has only been playing recreational or casual. They could be regularly, right? They could be playing every day and just like oh, I throw in a three dollar entry and whatever. Right. It's for that type of person. But this course is for advanced players. Okay. The type of people that would be watching this show, truthfully. Right. I I I I I would doubt that that if, if you're watching the show and you wouldn't consider yourself an advanced player over a recreational casual player. Uh I don't I don't know how you found the show or anything. You probably may not even know anything about Roto Grinders at all. So it's more for you. If you if you're using tools like like Lineup HQ. If you're looking at project, if you if you even know what projections are, right? If you even understand what ownership is, right? You're it may seem it may not seem like it to you, but you're I consider you an advanced player. You are an advanced player. So now that you understand at least what these concepts are, now how can you now now how can you use them to like put together plus EV lineups, right? So in this course, albeit shorter, but it, in a way it's systematic, repeatable, and time efficient. Right. It's very, a lot of, a lot of stuff is packed into, you know, short, a short amount of time. It's what, five, five hours, five, five, five hours or so. I sped it up a little because uh, I, I talk, I talk as slow as I can to make it because I talk really fast normally. Right. I ramble a little. So I tried speaking like, like really, really distinctly. And then I listened to it and it's like, I, I think it was a little, a little, a little too slow, a little too slow. So I sped it up. So I had to re-upload. I like sped it up by like, you know, 1.2, 1.3x. It's like, oh, okay, I think that's better. And you get in the player and it, and on the course, if you get the course, you could increase the speed or decrease the speed. You could do whatever you want. Or you could download the audio and put it into a podcast player or whatever they use. Feel free to listen at 2x if you want, right? I was listening it back at 1x. And then I'm like, I think this is too slow. And then I sped it up to like 1.5x. And it's like, okay, this is good for me but maybe it's a little fast for other people. So I'm like, okay, 1.2. Okay. Let me go in and make the original at least like 1.2. So I go, so it, it decreases the time a little. Right. So 
So you get that there. But it's uh, but to me, I think uh, in comparison to the first course, I, although I would recommend you getting the first course to get a better understanding of things, if you're already using tools like the stuff that's op- offered at Roto-Grinders to some extent, right, in some way, in some fashion or form, if you're playing that, oh, I know what a median fantasy projection is type of thing, uh, I understand what ownership sum is or, you know, it's a, whatever like that. Uh, I think it's uh, the best reference guide that that has ever been made for 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 DFS. Doesn't matter the sport. Doesn't matter anything. It really it doesn't matter. We don't go sport by sport. I use I use examples of sports. I think it's the best. Like, but you could you could listen to it for five hours. You could obviously go go back to individual chapters if you want. But assuming that DFS doesn't like dramatically change in format or something like that. Even 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 if it does, they still all they still would all apply. The concepts would still apply. But I think there's like it's weird for me to say. I don't think there's anything more than I could explain. I don't think there's anything left out. Right? You may have to listen to a chapter twice in order to kind of like okay, let, let me. I I think I know what he's talking about. Maybe I have to listen to it again. So like, but I said other than that, like any question that I'd ask on this show will be in this course. Like, I don't know if there's a question that I can't, unless it's related absolutely specifically to a, to a sports player on a sleigh. Like, what do you think of this guy? And does he have nice hair or whatever? What I don't know. I don't know what type of thing like that. But you know, when, when the, the answer in, in DFS, you know what, you, you know, you know what I always say, someone will ask me a question. I'll go to bed. It depends, right? Depends on the contest that you play. Depends on the lineup that's in. Like that, those, it depends. Well, what does it depend on? Well, all the variables and what it depends on, I explain in all, in this score. Oh, because you're playing in this type of contest and you have this type of lineup, then you would do X, Y, and Z. You would, you would wait, right? You would wait median projection more. You would wait ownership more. You would think more in these cut player combinations, right? If they're in two different positions, would you could, would you, which one would you consider more than the other, right? Like that type of stuff, all those variables are in here. The contextual variables of a slate. So when you say, oh, every slate is different, it's like, okay, what does that mean? People are like, okay, well, then how do you determine the difference between the slates? Well, that's that's what that's what's called contextual variables. I call them archetypes. So it goes through all of them, an example of all of them. It's like, okay, so in these types of contests, you'd think more like building these types of lineups and this type of contest. You'll build these types of lineups. And then there's a blend of all of them of like, well, you could want to do here, you could correlate, but you could not correlate, you can make the projection go up and down. So how one lever affects the other level, all, all of that in a reference format, right? So it's not like seven hour long explanations are in this course. So that that's the audio of the course. So I, 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 I cannot see truthfully how I can answer any question that doesn't relate to something that's, that's, that would be answered already in this course. I, 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 it's, I, I did an entire outline. I mean, I had to prepare to record this because I spent all week recording. I spent like, what, five straight days recording? But before that, I had to just, I mean, I had pages and pages of brainstorming. So it's like, I, I just want to be able that I'm, I'm hitting, I'm hitting everything, everything that I want, right? And in some broad way where they, there are nuances of certain sports. There's nuances of well, at this forward in soccer is slightly different than this forward in soccer. But really, all I'm saying is that one forward is more variant than the other forward. But how would you know that in soccer? Well, it's the way that they play. And like, like 
you could look at the projection or maybe slightly off like that. But for the most part, you'll kind of know the sport a little bit better. Right. I'm not going to go into the nuances of everything. There's 7 million nuances like that. The very small things that may change a projection or ownership by like a very marginal amount. But the broader things that'll change them even more that that that's that that's all in here. Neil Jaworski says, well, when will the, the, the theory of Rainmakers be coming out soon? People have been following me on Twitter. Rainmakers. I, I can't, I, I, I'm finally, this morning, I'm actually getting answers. It's, it's, it's really weird. Like once, once the trolls, once the, I don't know, I don't know, the sycophants, like stop just calling you stupid and never give you an explanation. That's not an explanation. You're stupid. Two plus two equals five. Like, okay, well, that's wrong. And you're probably stupid, but let's, let's, let's get two items and then let's get two other items and then let's manually count them. One, two, three, four. So probably two, probably, uh, I mean, we're going to assume two plus two equals four. Like you could explain that to me, right? You could explain that why I'm wrong, how to calculate that, right? So when people like have fun staying poor, that's not, that's not an explanation, right? I'm asking for, I'm asking for an explanation. I'm not saying that I'm right. I'm saying this is this is how I calculated this. Am I missing something? This is what it feels like. And sometimes, yeah, I'll exaggerate a little. Like it feels like it's that X, Y, and this doesn't add up. Am I missing it? Am I missing something? Is there, is there, is there money somewhere that I didn't account for or whatever? And then now uh, that's what I'm asking. Then I get 20 people responding. It's like, you obviously don't get it. Yeah, but that, that I didn't want that response. Fine, I don't get it. So what am I missing? That oh you're missing you're missing getting rich. I mean like something like like that, but that's not an explanation. That's not it. So I tried giving an explanation. I'm like okay, I tried describing things in terms of a fifty fifty raffle. They find like fundraisers, right? Your church has a fundraiser like that. And I go, this is what I see rainmakers as in in some fashion, where you know there's all these raffle tickets and you use them for you know a raffle, but you could also sell it to other people, right? But it's like the amount of money in the like it's only it's still only worth what you could win, right? It's not worth it unless people are like I just like it's cool to have it's cool to have a raffle ticket. I mean, I guess there's some value in that, right? How do you calculate that? I don't know. But let's say let's say there's no uh, it's cool what I could put on my wall type of thing. It's like once the raffle starts, once it concludes, the tickets are worth nothing. Right? What are they worth? Maybe someone wants it as a souvenir. Right. So once the raffle happens and you don't have the winning ticket, how much is the ticket worth? A zero. If you could find someone to buy buy that off of you for a thousand dollars, well, good luck to you. Okay. Is there someone stupid enough to do that? If there if you think there is, okay, maybe, maybe you buy the ticket not even to do the raffle. You don't even care if it wins or loses. You just go, I think I have the ability to find dumber people. Okay. And then that dumb person has to think, I think I need to have some, I, I'm, I'm smart enough to find another dumb person to pay even more than $1,000, right? So the $0 value ticket, or even if it's before the raffle, right? So the way you put a $10 ticket in and half of it goes to the charity. So now your ticket's only worth, right? It's equity is only $5. So if you get someone to say, I'll give you $8 for the ticket. Yeah, you're going to lose two bucks, but you make money on the equity, right? It's worth, it's only worth five. But if someone's willing to pay you $100 for it, all right, great. You, but you pocket that money. That money doesn't go into the raffle. So it doesn't make anyone's tickets any more valuable. And, but let's say that they took a market trends ad. They took a piece of it. 
and then we put it in the prize pool. Okay, now now there's at least a mechanism for the equity of from one one person's sale causes your ticket that get to, to get be more valuable to be able to win more money from the from the raffle. Okay, I get it, but like to what extent can that happen? How many dumb people can do you have to find that are willing to put in money that it's not worth the ticket isn't worth that? Well, let's see. Even if, even I'll even concede that you can find them because you're still going to have to find them. If one person sells their ticket for twenty five dollars, and there's ninety nine other tickets available, that doesn't mean that it doesn't make all their other ninety nine tickets worth twenty five bucks. That, that, to me, that's one of the biggest things that I see in like the crypto and NFT space that people uh, they talk about floor prices or something like that, or last sale prices, right? I think in Top Shop, people oh the last sale was two thousand dollars. So they consider that to be how much that top shot moment or whatever is part of their portfolio. It's like, well, that depends on the liquidity. I mean, like one person bought it for two hundred for two thousand dollars. There are a hundred of these cards. So just because one person bought it for two thousand doesn't mean there are ninety nine other people available that want to buy it for two thousand. If the next person that is looking to buy that card only wants to spend twelve hundred dollars, and there's no other people behind him that that want to spend money on your card. In theory, the card is only the card. If there's 99 of them, it would be that $1,200. The one buyer willing at 1,200 divided by the 99, right? Because once that buyer used 12, spends the $1,200, there's literally no market for it. Oh, but the last sale price was $1,200. It's like that's not how much your card is worth. If there's no buyers. Right. If there's no demand, zero demand, then what? How are you considering your car to be worth anything? I mean, anything at all. So that's the points that I'm making. I mean, I'm just to me, this is just simple economics. I mean, this is like a freshman business course. I mean, this is not this is not high end finance or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, I'm giving you a very basic, a very basic economic system, a basic basic of this raffle and marketplace of people that are trading right and we're and i'm assuming perfect deficiency right that someone sells it for a five dollar ticket a ten dollar they paid ten dollars it's only worth five and they, they sell it for 25 dollars and make a profit and then we're just assuming that there are 99 other people that will do exactly the same so all 100 people that have tickets will be able to flip them i'm just assuming that i mean just to keep the thing once you don't assume that then the whole thing crumbles anyway Let's just assume that. And then let's assume that the people that bought it for $25 are able to find people that buy it $100, even though the ticket is still only worth $5, right? Unless, unless you know, you add money to the raffle. I'm like, okay, how many transactions, if we're going to add money to the to the pool for transaction, how many transactions are needed? And how does that get to the point of market equilibrium? Well, the amount of money in the in the raffle is worth the amount of, tickets that are out that, that are you know the, the value of the tickets and then once you start adding supply right once you start adding supply then everything starts getting diluted so it goes in the other direction so if it was only 100 tickets and you still got more what's called greater fools right you got more and more fools it's like eventually you get to a point where you actually have you you may actually have a sound economy right it may actually reach equilibrium and then Things go back and forth. The market prices aren't as volatile. I get it, right? You'll need you'll need a bunch of people that 
I, I think I could I could pass my bags on to someone else in order to get that rolling, right? But if that's the case, if 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 that's what they're doing, I'm perfectly fine with that explanation. I'm perfectly fine with that. It's like okay, it helps me. Okay, that's 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 the market mechanic. Now the def, now the extent in which that market mechanic needs to happen is all related to the initial sales, right? In that raffle, right? The 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 charity or whatever you know because you're raising money. You can say you know. That's why you're doing it. Uh, you know it's negative EV, but you're doing it as a donation. But uh, they're taking 50%. But if they only took 5%, like you, you don't have to find, you don't necessarily have to find so many people to buy them for $25, like five times their value, their worth, their equity. Maybe you could only find people that, that are still willing to pay a little bit more than you, right? And you find enough of them. Okay, now... Now those time frames in order to get to like market equilibrium are much, much quicker, right? And then there's a sound economy, a lot of trend, less volatility. There are there may be more people enter the ecosystem. So even though the supply gets raised, right, more money is coming in in proportion, right? If more money comes in in the beginning, it's going to be completely out of proportion to the equity of of the assets. But right now, it, it, once it reaches equilibrium or somewhere near it, it'll it'll at least okay as money comes in. Now the now the capitalization gets higher, right? Now the total prize pool, the total amount of money becomes bigger and bigger in proportion to the money that's coming in to some extent. So then then we now now you could make money off the trip because now there's transaction fees. That's what you do. What are taxes, right? In real life, sales tax, right? Taking money off the top because of market transactions, right? The commission. I know there's no commission brokers or anything like that, but I mean the spread. And then, right, the, you know, the, the spread between the two, the buy and sell. I mean, now, now we're getting into a little, bit, a little bit more finance. But like I said, I'm not a finance expert, but surely I, I have like a freshman college level minimum, you know, experience in, in market dynamics to some extent. So that's all I'm asking. I'm asking, okay, so this is what it seems like, right? This is what it seems like to me on how on how this whole thing operates. So if I'm wrong, then explain that to me. Explain me how it operates. How does the money come in and where does it go? Right? How does the va- how does the the equity of a card go up or down? Can it go up or down? Can it only go down? How does the equity of cards get diluted? Right? How much money can be won? How do you divide? How many people? Right? We knew in the raffle example, there were 100 tickets. But let's say it's like, okay, uh, we don't know how many tickets there are. Well, then how do you, how do you calculate equity? Right? There's $500 in the prize pool in the, in the raffle. Right? Are there 100 tickets? Are there two tickets? If there's two tickets, then it's worth the $250, right? Half of the what's in there. If there's 7 million tickets, then the tickets are worth like a penny. So if you can't tell me that number, then what? Then how many tickets? How many tickets will there be? Maybe you don't know what the supply is. Maybe you know the supply now, but they make it increased. So it's like, well, well how is it going to get increased? By what extent? Well, there are certain tiers. Like Rainmakers has certain tiers. <clears throat> so I'm like, is the supply different for different tiers? It It is. I've read about it. It's not like I'm not, I didn't read the rain. I read every page on the goddamn site. 
I literally read every page. The terms of service also. I was reading everything. Even, you know, whatever. We, they indemnify. We have to, to we have to sue you in whatever state. You know, like that type. I read all that. Just so I'm like, just explain the market mechanic. Everything is just seems to me like an obfus, obfuscation of rake. That's what it comes across as. And trying to calculate this, the more and more, okay, these are the prize pools. Here are the tiers. Here are the weekly, whatever. Here's the marketplace. Here's, you could buy cards this way. You could get packs this way. So you buy a pack. It's, what's its average value? How many supply? How much supply? Like I, a lot of times I'm not even getting that information. I'm getting a lot of plans. We may be, we may be, we may be doing this. It's like, yeah, but there's a difference in buying a, buying a pack now that, of a of a set, I'm just making making up to a simpler example. Like there was a set of ten car ten ten, ten cards. Like there's only ten cards in a set, and you're you're making like seven million packs of them. Like obviously, it's going to be very easy to complete a set of those ten cards, right? Or or are you telling me that out of out of the ten cards, is one card that's unique and nine that are whatever? So out of all seven million packs, there's only going to be one of some one. Of, okay, now I have something to compare what one card is worth compared to others and how many people are buying and what's the total amount of capitalization. Okay. That's fine. But a lot of stuff, it's like, I don't know. This could be this. It could be that. Like, dude, that matters. Like that matters. Right. You're you Maybe, maybe you know that it matters and you're just hoping that it doesn't matter to, you know, that's that, that the supply doesn't go up to 17 trillion. Okay, that's and then say that and then say, yeah, you're right. The supply on this level or the supply of this card or if whatever. If they make too many of these, we're all screwed. Okay, okay, I'm fine. That's fine. Or it's be like, oh, they could make up to X amount around and I'll still and we'll all still be fine, right? The equity will still be okay. And we and they may, hey, we don't know if they will or they won't. But I'm I'm investing, hoping that I I'm hoping they don't. Okay, and you could be like, okay, I have no, I'm estimating, I'm kind of, you know, I'm I'm hoping they don't do it. I'm actually expecting them not to do it, or I'm expecting them to do it. Okay, that's all a probability. And if your probabilities are different from my probabilities, I think they're going to make too many cards. I'm going to weigh that at ninety percent probability, and you go like, I think it's only a ten percent chance. Then then all we're doing is arguing about <coughs> about the extent. People aren't even arguing, aren't even, are saying that just even considering that variable at all is like, what are you doing? You're stupid. You don't get it. Like, how could you, how could you not consider that variable? I mean, it, it, it exists, right? You may think that you have so much of an edge that it, uh, who cares, right? No matter what they do, they make 7 trillion of these cards and, and 18 billion people, aliens from other galaxies, start entering these contests, right? Right? The card values, it doesn't matter. You there's there, there's infinite amount that what an alien civilization comes with their entire population, right? So like there, there's 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 tri- there's a trillion, trillion of these little little buggers coming from outer space. Right? They're coming from outer space, little little buggers, right? Kind of like minions. They're coming from outer space. They have a little little guy or whatever like that. And you know what? That now they're a very advanced uh, uh, alien race because they obviously traveled traveled a long distance to get here, and the reason they traveled a long distance is because uh, they they saw they saw a commercial on their home planet from galaxies away from DraftKings. That's the only that's the only reason that market blitz, right? They started this Rainmakers market blitz a long time ago because it takes several light it takes tons of light years 
just to even, you know, communicate with that planet. So they planned this out a long time ago. So the little, these little critters, right? They came all the way. They come on, it's a trillion of them. They came all, and, and they're, and they're all, and they, they look at the, they look at the cards, the Rainmaker cards, and they go, I, I don't, they don't even care what the price is. They have absolutely no price sensitivity. And they have a ton of money. I don't know how they got their money, right? On the way there, maybe they stopped off at Mars. Maybe there's an ATM on Mars. We haven't found it yet. That's what we actually are looking for, right? When Elon Musk wants to go to Mars, he's really looking for the hidden ATM there where the aliens stop and pick up their money before they before they come to Earth, right? So these trill, these trillion aliens, these little buggers, these little buggers that just, that love, that love Rainmakers, right? And they come. And uh, and they buy it for any a million dollars a card. I'll buy it. It's like, but but there's only but there's only a hundred thousand in the prize pool. Why are you paying ten times the prize pool for one card when there's no possible way for you to possibly be ROI? Like you can never win it. Even if you're these these buggers, these little critters, right? Like one of them is like uh, with the richest one, the richest with the Lord of the Manor, right? The head the head critter. Here's a ton of money, right? That ATM. No limit. It's one of those bank accounts, apparently, that you get more than like fifteen hundred dollars from. No, that it it allowed them to take out everything. They have they have more money than anything. And they're like, yeah, there's only a hundred thousand dollars I could win, or only a million dollars to win, but I'm willing to pay a trillion dollars worth of cards. They go, I don't know why you do that, right? Because I love the game so much. Right? I love playing the game, even though I know I'm going to get a minus ninety nine percent return. It's worth it's it's worth the entertainment. Let's say let's say there is someone like that. We'll call they're they're the they're the they're the greater alien fool, right? Something like that, right? They don't even care about reselling the car. They don't even care. They know that they're just no ninety nine percent are gone. Okay, they do something like that. Now all of that all of that equity that, that has been contributed is being is going to the, like the entire ecosystem, right? Even though one person gets the oh one person got all their money, right? Well then that money goes to other. If it doesn't go anywhere, then it, it didn't help the ecosystem. That just goes to their you know. Oh, they're buying a private island. That doesn't matter. So even in the case of that, and then there's going to be some point that after the trillion buggers, those little critters, right? There's eventually that you're going to run out of them. Eventually the games are going to be played. The contests are going to be played, right? They're getting it minus 99% and everyone else benefits, right? Everyone else is playing going, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for these aliens. I'm, I'm totally glad for these aliens. Thank God they're here. So that's how, and then we're, we're we're sucking out money from them, right? And, and DraftKings is taking their 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 share. What share is that? Who the hell knows, right? The contests aren't raked, but the rake is in the relation of how much the cards are worth versus how much there's available to win. I mean, like that's equity. That's not that's this is not this is not rocket science, right? Like this, I'm not asking anything that's weird. So, so what is that relation? So if, if you're, if you're telling me that either you're going to, you're going to, to profit because your edge is so high in the game, maybe you don't even know the exact rate, but you think that, Hey, your edge is high enough that even if the rate was 80%, you'd be, you'd be able to beat it. I don't, do I think that you can in that case? No, but maybe you do, but at least you have two variables to go by. You're estimating, you go, I think, but I think the supply may be this. I think the entry participants may be that. I think the total prize pool will be okay. Now you have variables. You're away, you're weighing some number. You may not, you only may have an estimate in your head, a ballpark figure in your head, 
But it's like, okay, these things matter. All these things that, that I'm considering matter, right? So figure, I'm saying, let's figure it out. I'm trying to figure that thing out. Here are the things that matter, and how do I figure them out? So those that are responding, like I got some responses. I, I think Drewby responded, and uh, 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 Alex Harden, Fear My Turtle. He was the first one to respond at all with some type of calculation of like, how you de- how, how do you determine your, your lineup's equity? To some extent, you know, in comparison to, to a contest. At least it's something. It's like, okay, oh, okay. So in order to figure that out, you need to have this information. And some of that information is just an estimate. And some of it is a challenging estimate, just like with DFS. Oh, what is the exact expected value of your lineup? Well, until we see the exact lineups that are in the contest, right? I don't know, right? And then even then, the projections are obviously highly variant. So we wouldn't be able to see it without uh, experiencing that slate a million times. So I understand that an expected value it isn't going to be an exact. Like, yeah, I, no, it's going to dollar twenty. It's it, you could estimate, you could come close, you could ballpark it, but you'll still need all those variables, right? And you'll still need to compare that to how much money is in the contest, right? Available to win. You put in, it, you can just pay pay five five. You know, you can pay five hundred dollars for a hundred person contest where the first place is a dollar. Doesn't matter what your edge, your edge would have to be like 99. You would have to be playing against the rest of the, the other 99 participants are people that like just failed to submit a line. If you pay, pay $500 to take, have a winner take all $1 contest. So everyone puts in 500 bucks. The site takes all of that money and just leaves you $1 for first place. Right. How, that, how do you, how do you, how do you win? How do you, how do you profit? What's the, the, the equity is negative. Right. Eventually, the, the the money supply, the the user supply, the people that play will 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 dry up. So even if you're like, I have an edge long term, right? Oh, okay, I could do something like, like, dude, there may not be anyone left playing the game, right? Happens in poker, over time, right? They rake too much out of the game, and next thing you know, it's like, why? Yeah. Oh, last year, oh, we were we had eight tables going in the card room all the time, and now there's only four. And you still see some of the same people. You see a lot of the same people. It's like, well, why the why the why the why there less games? Yeah, because the player the, too much money came off the table, or enough money over that course of time that is now uh, <coughs> not being churned in the economy. I'm not saying people win and then just leave. I mean that could happen too. Someone wins a big pot and leaves and never comes back, never plays poker ever again. <coughs> that money is out of the poker ecosystem. But most of the time, the regulars are kind of trading it amongst themselves, right? They may have a small edge, right? They hope that they play, that there's like two or three people at their table, that they lose enough over time that it, it feeds everyone else at the table. And then at the, at the times when there isn't, they're kind of trading back and forth in the casino. The card room is taking, a, you know, $2 here, dollar there, like that. But if, if there's no supply of people that you have an edge over, then eventually... The card room takes all the money. I mean, pick picture an extreme example, right? Picture an extreme example of like, because I've run a card room before, okay? Uh, you're just running one game, right? One, just make it very simple. It's a $100 game, right? It's a cash game, right? It's a $100, no limit, whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. And it's a 10-handed game, just to make it a simpler cal- 
calculation. Okay. If you were to rake the game at $10 an hour per person, right? $5 per half an hour. Okay. Which is a time rake, right? So you're not taking out of each every pot. No matter how you take the money out of out of the player's hands, it's still the, the rake. No matter what what mechanism to do so, whether being time or per pot or whatever. But we're gonna go by time. So every hour you take ten dollars per player, or every half an hour you take five dollars per player. So per hour, ten bucks. Okay. If no one goes if no one busts or if they're just playing, right? No one says I'm gonna buy more, I'm gonna buy in for more. No one takes their money and gets up and, and a new person sits down with hundred bucks. If it's just the same 10 people and you're taking $10 per hour per person from me. So when, when the hour is up, you're like, everyone put 10 bucks in front of them out of their stack. And then you take that away. Right. Put in a little drop box. Okay. In 10 hours, 10 hours later, the 10 people at their table will be sitting there. They'll still be sitting there. They'll be sitting there in front of them and no one will have any money. <laughs> the money, the, the chips on the table, there will be no chips on the table. There will literally be no chips on the table. There was $1,000 to start with. Everyone bought in for 100 bucks. No one bought in anymore or anything like that. In 10 hours with a $10 an hour rate per person, 10 hours later, it doesn't matter who won, who won, whatever like that. Everyone has lost. Everyone. No one is profit. Actually, every single person at the table has lost all of their money, right? And you go, well, how the hell did this happen? You'll, you'll, and you'll notice this, right? If, if you're playing, you'll notice it. You'll notice five hours later that the average stack size, well, well someone has $180 in front of them. There's also someone that has $17 in front of them. There's also someone that has $68 in front of them. But the average, the average stack size, right, of the people that are at the table is, is 50 bucks, Right? Because $500 came came off the table in five hours, okay? Then once once you hit the 10-hour mark, the game stops, right? You can't win any extra money. The casino can't even make any extra money. There's no money, okay? So let's say at that point, everyone buys in for $100 again, okay? Well, in 10 hours, there'll be no more money on the table anymore. It's the same thing. So... That doesn't happen in practice because things aren't as linear as that, but it's, it's it's exactly the same thing. Let's say on the first hand, someone goes all in, busts out for for 100 bucks, right? And that moves to another player. Someone has 200 bucks in front of them. Let's say that player buys in again for 100 or a new player comes in. It doesn't even matter. A new person comes in with and sits down with 100 bucks. So there's $1,100 on the table, okay? And an hour from now, there'll be $1,000 on the table. So every new $100 that gets added adds an extra hour to the lifetime that there could even be a game because there would be no money left on the table. And as this new, if the new $100 comes in, every new $300 comes in now, it extends the life of the game. And you hope that in all these transactions of all the hands that you're playing, that you have a positive, that you're going to get more, you're going to get more of that extra money, the new money that is coming in because of the way that you play the game, you play it profitably over time. And that it's past the point where you're still keeping up with the fact that the casino is taking $100 every hour at the card room. I'm taking $100 off the table, right? As that as that time frame goes by, okay? So you need to calculate that to some extent, right? Maybe not exactly. 
Just go, okay, what's the what's the rank of the game? How does the money leave the ecosystem, the money that I cannot win, right? Money's coming in. New people are sitting down. Let's say a new person sits down, and instead of buying $100 worth of chips, right, uh, they they buy in. They buy in for they buy in for a hundred dollars worth of chips and immediately give the casino fifty bucks. Well, it doesn't matter that they bought in for a hundred bucks because f- you can't win all of that hundred. You can only win the fifty that that's available to you. And as the casino takes or the card room takes money that is unavailable for you to win, like it's not part of the equity. Uh, it's, it shouldn't be the calculate the equity of your of your hand of your of your portfolio of your whatever. It's it's unavailable. So what are those things? I'm asking, what are those things? What are the mechanics of that, right? Oh, oh, new packs get issued. Okay, so where does that money go, right? Does that does that go into the pro? Like, if I go and buy buy a hundred dollar pack, okay, so now I I've added to what? Am I just buying it directly from DraftKings? It's just going to there. It's like going to a card room in the casino and just saying I'm buying it for hundred dollars and giving it directly to the card room. And going like, no, I've not, I've not been given anything that could help me make any more money. So how does that work? Right. Or I'm going to, I'm going to buy in for a hundred dollars with the expectation of X, Y, and Z at the, at the poker table. I go, I look at the poker table and I go, oh, there's X amount of money on the table. I look at to see who has the money at the table. This is what you do to, to, when you play poker. Oh, look, there's a table run. There's a two, five, no limit holding game with a $500 buy-in. And you look at the table, and the table's been going on forever, right? It's been running for three days, right? People have come and gone and cashed out. and ca- what, You look at the table, and you go, oh, you look around and go, oh, there's about uh, there's about $8,000 on the table, right? An average of $800 per person if it's a 10-handed table. If someone, let's, say, let's say it's a nine-handed because you, there's one seat empty for you. And you go, oh, there's $7,200 on the table. It's like, okay, I could buy in for 500 bucks, and I could win up to, up to, the max I could win if there was no rake and no one else bought in, the max I could win is $7,200. If there's $7,200 at the table, that's the, I could, I could, the only, I when I pack up my chips, if there was no rake, if I won every single hand, if people just shoved all into me when I had the nuts and I took everyone's money and everyone stayed, the maximum is $7,700. There's no way to, for me to win any more money. There's no more money on the table. The only way for me to win more money is if new money is introduced. So that's the most amount. Now, unlikely, I'm going to win all the money at the table, just like you don't win all the money in a DFS contest, right? You win second place, but you don't win all the equity of it. So unless new money is introduced, like I need how much money? That's much different than me going, okay, let me take same game, same format of the game, two, five, no limit with a 500 max buy-in. And I go and I look and I see the game's been going on for, for whatever, but I see that there's uh, $1,200 on the table. So the average stack is 130 bucks. What it would nine people. As long if no one new comes into the game, if no more money or whatever like that, what that's the most amount of that is the most amount of money I could win. If I play forever and no money is introduced, if I could play for an hour, maybe I win it in an hour. Maybe I never win it. Maybe I win it eight hours from now. That's the most amount of money I could win. So I'm investing $500. Right, the most amount of money, as long as I don't, if I don't buy in again, is money I could lose is five hundred. The most I could win, no matter how good I am, I could be the best poker player in the world. I could win every hand possible, right? I could build the best lineups, right? The most amount of money I could win, the most. 
It's $1,200 compared to at the other table. Now, most likely at the other table, you know, maybe there's better players, right? So maybe the the, 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 the team, the, the table that has $1,200 on it, really bad players. So it's like, oh, okay, I, could bring, I, I think I could win all of the money on this table really quickly because I have such a big edge over my opponents because they're such bad poker players. Maybe I choose to sit there. Maybe I win all the money in 10, two, two hours. At the other table, there's more money available to win, but the skill of the players is much higher. And you go, I think over time, I could end up with, with all the money at the table, but it'll take me, you have to play for a month straight, right? For me to realize that. I go, well, okay, I'm going to, yeah, the other table has has more of an edge, but less of a ceiling. Like, there's less money for me to win. And the other one has more money available for me to win, but I'm going to get less of less of my fair share, Okay. Well, then I have to compare that to the time investment. To like, how, how much is it worth my time to do so? So these are variables to calculate. This is not cut. This is not complex stuff. This ain't complex math. So in order to calculate or even estimate or consider or whatever, what are these variables? How much money is on the table? How much money does do I have to buy in for? At minimum, at maximum. Can I play seven cards in my hand while other people can play five? I mean, I don't know. That's the mechanic of the game. I don't care about the game. The edge that you have in the game. Like the mechanics of it. But you could say, if if you tell me, okay, you have a, you have a 50% edge in the game. It's like, okay, I need to be able to... The rake needs to be low enough that a 50% edge is still profitable. That's it. So even if, even if those are estimates... What do you think your edge is as a percentage? And what do you think the rake is? And how did you come to those two numbers? If your answer is, I don't know, then why are you calling me stupid? <laughs> right? Why are you calling me stupid? Imagine entering the Millie Maker, right? Or any DFS contest. Imagine someone saying, oh, okay, there's a $20 contest. Then, then but I'm not gonna tell I'm not gonna tell you the prize pool. I'm not gonna tell you how, how many, how many, how many entries there are. I'm not going to tell you any of that, right? I'm not going to tell you how first place and fifth place is distributed. I'm not going to tell you. I'm not nothing. I'm not going to tell you how much money we're taking out of the prize pool. because You don't know how many opponents you have. How comfortable are you playing that game? Now, you could say, you could say, well, I, 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 I hope. I hope people are bad enough. I hope there aren't as many as, Entries, I hope there's overlay, right? That's what overlay is. But there's more, there's less entries than the more the prize pool, right? That type of, I hope, you, all these are hope, hope, hope. I hope that, I think that, I may, it may I don't know. I'm I'm asking for like, well, where's that line? At some point, there's a line. If you knew for sure that you had to spend $17 million and the first place is a buck. If you knew for sure, you wouldn't do it. Now, you obviously don't expect it to be that. But you would have to think that someone is that's considering playing this game would kind of want to know those details to some reasonably broadly determined set, some baseline, some something. So if you can't tell me how supply and demand happen, you can't tell me the supply, you can't tell me the demand other than maybe this and maybe that, and hopefully that, and the plan is that, but it could change. 
And then you tell me that, okay, here are the, here are the, here are the prize pools. They're fixed for these, these tiers. Just like, okay. So the more people that play, the less I want that to happen because there's no way to add to the prize pool. So that seems counterintuitive. I want to tell people not to play them. That makes no sense. But if I tell people not to play, that means the marketplace gets ruined, right? Because you want more demand in the marketplace. So it's like it's counterintuitive to do different things. And then once you get to the marketplace, once you get to the marketplace, then how do those, how do those, what, how do, you can't go by last sale price, right? That's, that's, something isn't worth how much the last person that paid for it. It's only for the next person then, and someone's willing to pay for it. Can't go by last sale price. So what's the floor value? What's the floor value? Well, do you know there are people worth paying? And, and why would people buy these cards? The first reason should be because they want to use them in the contest because there's a value, there's a yield from it. <clears throat> okay. And there may be other people that think they're cool. I get it. Collectibles, fine. It has that. What's the value of, of, of a Mona Lisa? Right? It's very high. It's still just a painting. It's the perceived value. It's like, okay, it's some ego thing. Oh, okay. I'm evil. I'm evil. I'm even able to say that I get that with like crypto punks or stuff like that. Oh, there's only a set amount of this and it's cool or something. Okay. There, there's a value on that. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be, I, I don't value it, but there is. But what other utility is there? So either you're spending, you're using the cards to build lineups for contests that you hope that the cost that you incurred of acquiring these cards and building these lineups is lower than the amount of money that you will receive from the prizes. That's, that's not complicated. That's what we do in DFS. I hope that I, I my $10 entry gets me more than $10. That's it, right? The only other way to make money, the only other way that it's plus EV, profitable, is to sell a card for more money than it's worth. To find someone to, to buy it. Then more money than you paid. That's a better, that's uh, more specific. You buy you buy a card for 20, you sell it to someone for 40, you make 20 bucks. Okay. You could even use the cards and say, I'm going to play these cards in this contest this first week. And after that, and then you you win money, and then you take these the cards and you, you sell them also, or you lose with the cards and you sell them as well. You try to make your money back that way. But why is why is someone buying the cards? Right? So either someone's buying the cards for one because it'll help them, or they think it'll help them do better in these contests, or they're doing it because they think it's cool. Right, which means there's no there's there's no there's no intrinsic anything to it, right? So in some fashion, the cards, the equity of the cards has to be tied to the equity of the prize pools. In some way, it maybe not all. I get it. I get the whole people think it's cool, it's a collectible. Fine. So there's some equity in that. I get it. Maybe you're not able to able to calculate the exact amount of equity that type of thing is. I get that also. Fine. I'm willing to concede that. But in some fashion, a lot of the equity comes from the prize pool. And if those prize pools are fixed, we could compare how much prize pool money there is to how much equity there is in all the cards, right? Or at least the cards that will be played in contests, 
right? Because maybe you don't even consider. I could I could concede the fact that, hey, if there's a million cards, there's a million cards, and only 10,000 are being actually used in contests because all the other ones are, everyone thinks they're just, people are collecting them, or they're just garbage cards that, like, why would any, because there's some X amount of participants in the contests, like the bench players in DFS, like minor league players in a ba- the baseball slate today. You could, yeah, sure, you could get them in cards and packs and whatever. You could buy them, but they really have no value in uh, the DFS contest. And then, like, let's say smaller field DFS contests. Some low-owned player, some really, like, low-projected player that will still get points. They may be more useful in large field GPPs, right? Because it's like, oh, let me play a 1% owned guy with a 5-point projection rather than this 20% owned guy with an 8-point projection. But if the contest in Rainmakers are small enough, then maybe the lower value, the lower, I don't want to say value, but the lower impact on your, you know, the lo- the, the worst players, right? The fourth wide receivers. When everyone can play <coughs> Devontae Adams and when, and when so many people can play uh, Christian McCaffrey, it's like, well, the value of playing, you know, whatever, second tight end or like, Maybe those cards, even though they're in packs and maybe people do pay a little money for them or actually have no equity in the contest because you would, why would you ever use them? They would make those, maybe people are, and the fact that people are using them give expected value to other players in the contest, right? That That's how that, that's how the equity moves. But just like in the poker example, even if you're the greatest player in the world, there's only a fixed amount of money that you could win. So until you tell me how, the more people equals more money. The card value, the, the value of me buying a card has to be in some way related to the total equity of the prize pool. And then on top of it, the total equity of people that think it's cool to collect cards. Like that. Just people that think it's cool. That people are willing to pay more than what the equity is in the total prize pool because it's cool, I guess. I personally consider I people that think it's cool for this, for at least in Rainmakers, <clears throat> to be just greater fools. You're buying it because you think that you could sell it to someone else, right? If that's the reason you're doing so, you're 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 that's a, that's the greater fools theory. Simply, which is fine if you want to say that that's what I'm looking to do. I've always said that in in NFTs before, right? When when end of the big end of the, the year, the COVID happened in the year, people were like buying this and buying that and selling that and selling this. And I go, I go, yeah, but long-term these, these, these things are not worth this money. Like eventually, eventually someone's left holding the bag and people would say no. And I go, well, I think, I think I'm right. Right. And then there are other people that are like, nope, you're absolutely right. And I'm just getting in. Cause I, Instead of being the 18th fool down the line, I want to be the first fool, right? I want to buy it from the first fool. I want to be the second fool. And then I'm going to sell it to the third fool. And then at that point, I don't care. If the 18th fool is self-loading back, I made my money because I'm going to make my money in a short period of time and get the hell out of there. I said, if you want to play that game, more, more, no moral judgment, no nothing. That's fine. I, if I wanted to play that game, I'd do it also. I get it. Right, you buy something. I think this is going to go up, even though it's not worth anything. And someone else is willing to buy it because they think it is, even though it's not. And you you arbitrage between those situations, and then you extract money from the ecosystem and, and get the hell out of there. 
And if you're and if you're willing to like study the market and you know grind it out, more power to you. I get it, but at least you're being at least you're being honest in the explanation. Okay, I get it. That's fine. So if that's the instance of like, oh yeah, I'm buying cards because there's some equity in these contests, but I'm not sure if the equity is worth the the card value. But I think there's enough greater fools that even if it's not, I could probably pawn this off on someone else. If that is your explanation of your edge in the game, it is 100% valid. 100% valid. If that's the explanation, I'm willing, I I accept that completely. But then you're also acknowledging that you're not sure if the equity in the prize pool matches matches the market. And you think that there are enough dumb people that will make up for that. That by the time... By the time things are figured out, by the time transactions in the market slows, by the time no new money comes in, you'll be long gone. You'll be long gone. And the people at that point, maybe that happens eight years from now. Who knows? Maybe it happens tomorrow. I don't know. Maybe you estimate it won't happen. Maybe you estimate it'll happen eight months from now, but you'll get out in six months. Okay. That's perfectly fine. All of that is perfectly fine, but then say that, right? Then that's your explanation. I'm perfectly fine accepting that. That's how I'm viewing. That's 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 what it looks like. I've read everything. I've looked at everything. That's what it looks like. And if that's what it is, okay. Then you go, okay. I'm gonna play. The, I'm gonna play the game of buy this bunch of stuff. Hope it's not overpriced. Beat people at a game that may be really bad at it, and hope that my edge is really really big. And hope that the rake is much, much lower than I thought it was. And then on top of that, you know, pawn off my cards to other people that think they're worth more than they are, they actually are. And the total of all of that, that uh, that I have that I have a problem. Or that I'm left with cards that I think are cool. And I'm doing it for purely for entertainment value. And go, yes, I know. I, I spent eight thousand dollars on whatever. This is it's just like spending eight thousand dollars on artwork, right? And there are eight thousand dollars and you know whatever. Auto, I, I I've spent I've spent money on autographed eight by tens of wrestlers. And other people will be like, why is that worth anything? Well, it's worth it to me. Are you going to sell it to someone else? No, I just enjoy having them. Two 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 Jordan, you know. Good luck on whatever the hell Kurt Angle. And I have it in a little 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 whatever vinyl protector. And I think that's cool. Intrinsically, it's worth zero. But to me, it's worth something. The equity of that does exist in the marketplace. And it would be very hard to calculate. I get it. So if you're saying that there's a lot of that, okay, I'm willing to accept that also. And that, that makes up for the fact that uh, that the equity in the contests are too small for the the values of the cards. That's fine. So that's my case. So I'm not really making a case to me. I'm I'm just asking questions. I'm saying this is this is how it this is from what I read and what I see. I feel like this is this is how everything works. If your answer is you're absolutely wrong and you're stupid, well then feel free. I've, I've just explained an entire process. Then you explain it the same way that I've just done. So you explain it. And if you can, I've gotten, you know, Drewby, Drewby's trying, okay. 
There you go. Some explanations. And even with uh, with uh, Alex, his attitude is like he's dabbling because he's not sure that challenge of figuring out what the equity is in anything. He thinks that he could figure it out better than others and then exploit that. And he's not sure that even when he figures it out or comes closer, that it's even that there's not enough of an edge to even be profitable. But he's not sure, so he's willing to take a small risk. To me, that's to me, that's I'm talking to a reasonable person. Okay, I get it. And if that's your answer, then that's the, that, and then that's the explanation. I'm I'm not really sure of all the rules. I'm not really sure of blah 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 blah. I'm just hoping that these things align this way. And you understand the fact that those things, those variables, do matter. You have a very broad estimate of it, and you're just hoping your estimate, you're estimating it a little bit that it's more profitable for you to do X, Y, and Z. And maybe I'm looking at it and going, I think even if you did X, Y, and Z, you're still not going to lose money. So I'm not playing. So we're not arguing about the market mechanics of the game. We're just arguing about the extent in which one's edge could be over that. That's it. And that's a debate. And then you could have that debate. I'm not even willing to have that. I don't even care about that. We're not even getting, we haven't even gotten to that point. I'm just getting to the point of how that, how the hell does the economy of Rainmaker work? We could, we could, we could explain the economy of a DFS. Everyone knows that. I don't have to say, oh, you don't know, you're stupid. I could know. Ten, there's a contest with 100,000 entries. Ten pe- people put in a dollar. There's $100,000 in the prize pool, right? DraftKings takes 15%, so there's $85,000 in the prize pool. First place gets 40000 right? Very top end. Second place gets 20000 Like, you, we could go through all this. And you go, if everyone was equally skilled, Right, everyone would lose fifteen percent. Right, because that's the, that's the rate over time in the long run. Like, there you go. I mean, like it's not hard. And then there's multiple contests, right? Not just one contest. Most will talk top. So on a given day, maybe there's there's three hundred contests being run in different sports, at different slates, and different everything. And they have different payouts, right? Different prize, right? Different prize pools each, different entry fees. Then people say in Rainmaker, oh, there's no entry fees in Rainmaker. So you still have to buy cards. It's just that in DFS, the entry fee is fixed, right? You can use any player. It's just like, oh, just pay $10 and build a lineup. And anyone can build the same lineup with the same cards, right? The cards are free. The cards are free. And and their supply is unlimited. That's the difference. In DFS, the cards are free and the supply is absolutely unlimited. Other than you can't use a card twice, right? Something like that. In Rainmakers, it's the opposite. The, the lineups are unlimited, right? You can build unlimited lineups or whatever, the, whatever the max entry is, but you have to buy the cards, right? So you could, if, if you buy only a couple of bucks worth of cards, You're only going to be able to make a couple of lineups because you're going to only play one lineup, one one card, you know, in the lineups in Rainmakers. And then uh, if your cards are only worth five bucks or whatever and you're able to make 100000 off of it, God bless you. Okay, that's fine. Is a, is a $5 lineup going to make that on that? What, what's that calculation? What's the total contest equity? How much are all the cards and all the lineups in the contest worth now? Because we know the card value. We know the cards. In DFS, everyone, anyone can play anything, right? So the lineups don't, 
they don't they don't you would you would simulate right based on the contest the ev of the lineup and simulate that a million times the differences between lineups could be vast the differences could be small right your lineup in a dfs contest right you're playing whatever some gpp mlb today and you have a yankee stack with this pitcher and whatever and based on the projections you're like it's this uh this lineup uh, scores X on average or whatever, like we normally do in DFS. And then you find your opponent who has a lineup that has left like $40,000 on the table, right? Didn't use Aaron Judge, couldn't, didn't pay up to pitching, played the cheapest hit, played a bench player because they could only afford $10,000 in their in their lineup. Obviously, the difference between the lineups is vast, is very vast. And if you're the, and, hey, can that really, really like, low lineup win? Right? Yeah, sure, it has a chance, but compared to the probability minus the rake, probably not. Probably heavily negative expected value. And the lineups that are put together well, obviously, for grain makers, you had to, you know, pay for them. You have to pay for them. You know, you didn't pay $3. You may have paid $3,000. Maybe. I'm just, these are ballpark. These are just, I'm just making up <clears throat> numbers. It could be 80. It could be whatever. It's X, X variable. You paid X amount. So the total amount of money, if there's a hundred, if a hundred entries in the contest and the average one, one lineup costs $4, one lineup costs a hundred dollars, one lineup costs $80. The same thing you would do at the poker table, right? You, you, you add that all up, even though there's no entry fee, you'd add it all up and divide it by the, the number of the number of entries. And that's how much the average lineup of value is to the prize pool. So those that have, and then based on the projection, and you add that in, right? So that comparison would give you give you a sense. <clears throat> if you knew everyone's lineups and you knew the number of con- contestants, if you knew the rake, right? The lineup, okay, the, this lineup costs someone and is valued at $60, but really, really it's a really it's a $10 line, right? $50 of value has been sucked out by another entity, right? So you, how do you adjust for that? And then once you could do that and see, compare that, that, that equity calculation to the actual money available in the prize pool. Now, now, now you could, now, now you could have somewhat of a sense, even if it's not exact at some, some EV calculation, something, right? You need all these parts. I'm just asking about the parts. I'm not, I'm not even asking about the calculation. And the main part I'm asking about is the amount of money. What like money's coming in and where's it going? And if you're telling me that the price pool is fixed, yet money is still keeps on coming in, like, how is that a good thing for me? Right? How is that a good thing for me? I don't want money to come in. It can, I can't win it. Right? It actually makes the, my opponent's lineups worse. My, my opponent's lineup is better, which gives me less of a return. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm actively seeking to hope that the game fails. Right? I'm secretly hoping that this game fails. But if the entire game and the entire economy fails, that also means that the profit that I could derive from the the slow downturn of the economy in, in the game, well, I'll be over at some point, right? Same thing at the poker game, right? I could have the best edge of the table and maybe I do siphon most of the money, but once there's no new money and once the casino has taken so much of it off the table, well, the game breaks up. Then you're sitting there going, well, how do I make any more money, right? And and now I'm stuck with all these cards, and no one's not even anyone willing to buy. 
right? I hopefully, I hopefully I spent X amount of money on cards and I made way more than that. Okay. And then I'm left with, I'm left with the autographed eight by tens. I made, I made, you know, whatever. I believe I'm describing it correctly. But there are people that are telling me, there, there are tons of people that are telling me I'm right. Right? They're, they're, they're reaching out. A lot of them DM. Yeah, dude, it's like, I know you're, some, some, some of the things you said are exaggerated, but you, you, you're essentially describing what, what, how, how the, how the, how the game market, how, how the whole, how the mechanics work. And then most, and then I'm getting other people, nearly all of which are playing said game and have money invested in said game. And they're telling me you're wrong, but then they're not explaining it. Or at least not being objective enough to say like, no, I'm estimating X, Y, and Z. And I, and I, and I see, I see how in the, in the most negative way, if things don't go perfectly, that they could turn into what you're talking about. I go, okay. And they're like, and if that happens, I hope I could find people that, uh, that are willing to, to take my bags. Right. I'm fine with that. That's perfectly fine. This is kind of a, to me, I view this as an economic lesson, right? Today, that's what we spent. So the last day before I go away, right? And someone brought it up in the chat, right? You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't have, Neil, Neil shouldn't have done that, right? Alex Santi is in the chat. Uh, someone I, I highly respect, by the way. Uh, he, he's, I think he's the first, he's literally the first customer of the course. Well, technically, I mean, I, I, I gave it to Alex for nothing. He's a teacher. So I, I, I enjoy getting the feedback. I appreciate the feedback from someone that has extensive educational background because I, I, I really don't. I teach, I teach the way I think, I think is good. I think, I think that is understandable, right? Sometimes I repeat myself too much, maybe, but maybe sometimes that's good. I have no idea. That's all I'm attempting to do. I'm not trying to convince you to play or not play Rainmakers. That isn't my intent on anything. My intent, I'm just trying to figure out a problem. And I took a look at all this and this is what I believe. This is what I think, right? I'm not doing that so so I could I could tell you to do something. I don't care what you do. I may have come to the conclusion that it's not worth playing for me. It's not worth even me taking the risk. Maybe it's worth taking me a small risk. Oh, that, that, that would be up to me. All I'm doing is sharing it so someone could say, well, have you thought about it this way? Even with the DFS stuff. If you want to email me, jordan at theoryofdfs.com, even after buying the, the advanced course, which comes with Excel tools, by the way, right? Theoryofdfs.com, go pick it up. Came out yesterday. And let, let me tell you, if you're if you're a pregame show listener, use the promo code good morning. And you get and you get uh, you get 10 bucks off, right? We get 10 bucks. Is it 10 to 15 bucks? 15 bucks off? It's one of the two. You're getting something off, right? That'll only be for a limited time. But even if that, if you want to email me and said, yeah, I listened to chapter whatever. And uh, while I agree with in concept with uh, with what you're saying, I said, I think you're not taking into account X, Y, and Z as much. And although you'd be directionally right, I think it's more important of, you know, A, B, and C. I, I love those emails. I love that. That's how, how else do I learn? Right. Even if you even if you're like, oh, I listened to chapter chapter whatever, and it, it's all wrong. I'm like, okay, well, that's that's concerning. <laughs> that that's concerning. Okay, then explain how it's wrong. If you're not willing to do that, why the hell did you send me an email? Right? And your your explanation is can't be, I'm a math teacher. Like that's not an explanation. I don't care what you are, right? Two plus two does not equal five 
even if you're a math teacher, it, it's wrong. It, it's, it's absolutely wrong. So there's no, don't go with the ad hominem garbage. So I don't mind. I've gotten to, to, to lengthy conversations about game theory in DFS and come to, come to different conclusions or go, really, if, if you think about it that way, yeah, and then think of a, a, a an application and go, yeah, I could see someone that extensively plays these types of contests. They would have a much more, they would think more, they would think the opposite. They would kind of think they would go down this road. And while the concepts still apply, it would be so much more profitable for them if they they thought in these terms more so than, oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So even though I come, I, and I come across as like, no, I know, I know all the answers. No, I don't. I just like presenting information. I enjoy discussing it. I enjoy teaching it. I go, this is what I know. These, 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 these are, then here you go. And based on, based on seven years of experience of playing DFS in my back, I think, I think most, if not all of this is, is absolutely in 100% sound, but maybe it's not. Maybe some economics professor, some PhD in economics show me how my explanation of like Rainmaker stuff is you could show me the stuff on the Rainmaker site and go, you see here where it's there, this and that because of this, that your whole market and supply thing doesn't make sense because there'll be more cards here, more cards there. I'll go, Oh, I did not. Based on what I read, it didn't, it, it, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't look like it worked that way. Perfectly fine. But I don't want the explanation to be, I have a PhD in economics and you're wrong. And I go, can explain it to me? And you go, Nope, you're stupid. Like that doesn't do anything. Just, just because of you are something doesn't mean that you're right. I don't care about that. Oh. Neil Jaworski says, well, enjoy the conversation at least. Sorry. Sorry to everyone else, right? Yeah, it's Neil. It's, it's Neil's fault. It's Neil's fault. But other people have talked about this also. I think Brandon Adams had a podcast about it. I'm going to listen to that. Brandon Adams, and I know I, I listen to Petty, Travis, Petty Theft. He had a stream, Twitch stream. I I, I watched that uh, switch. I was live watching that Twitch stream. So it's like, I'm. do I have any card? I, I literally, like, just to let, be clear, to be transparent, I have no Rainmaker cards. I've not opted in for Rain. I, I don't have anything. I have nothing. I have, no, I have nothing in my hands. I have nothing, unless for some reason it's in there and they I get credited for something and I just didn't click on a tab to check it out that I got some free card. But even when it pops up in the app, I dismiss it. Even the, the if it says Rainmakers, and even though it says, uh, it could say Rainmakers, you could get a free million dollars by just pressing this button. Like, I didn't even press the button, right? So I don't, I don't know what the free pack, I'm assuming that even the free, if you're getting a free pack, it's infinite EV, no matter what the, how low the probability is. So if anything, if your time, if your time, if one second or two seconds of your time is worth whatever for infinite EV, feel free to just, uh, here's my starter pack and throw it. Okay. That's, maybe I'll even do that. Maybe I'll end up even doing that. Right? But anything past there, then is the time worth it? I don't know. I don't think so. Rob Gardner asking for EPL thoughts today. No, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not even playing today. I've done so much recording for the theory of daily fantasy sports. I've been testing out the tools, right? That come with the course, the Excel tools for DraftKings that come with it. That two of that, two of which don't even exist in the industry. We've been doing so much of that, and then plan. Then obviously, I'm doing laundry, whatever, because we're leaving early in the morning tomorrow. Uh, kind of like. I could play. I could play the soccer slate, but I, I'm. I'm just like I'm. You don't got to play every day, so I'm just. I'm taking a break. So I don't. I have no idea. I have no thoughts. But uh, 
But we do have projections. Roto Grinders Premium subscription. Click on that link in the description. Get ten dollars off your first month. Give me thummy thumbs on your way out the door. If unless people have left already, I don't know. Uh, I, I was hoping there'd be a little bit more discussion about like the concepts and everything I'm talking about. Uh, if you have any feedback on that, just find me on Twitter at BlenderHC. I, I, I'm willing to accept explanations. Just go like, oh, you see here, point it out. And if you're not, if you're like, oh, it's not even worth it to explain it to you, then fine. Then just don't do anything. It's like, okay, he's wrong, but I'm not going to correct him, right? Because I don't even want to take the time to even point out why he's incorrect exactly without just an ad hominem attack. It's perfectly fine, right? People say the same thing about DFS, right? Oh, DFS, right? Remember when people, you know, people would say, oh, you have 150 lines. You can cover all the combinations. People respond back going, you're stupid. You can't. I go, I go, no, here's the proof. Here's the absolute proof. I go, okay, let's take a, let, let's do the permutation. Let's do the combination formula. This is how many combinations there could be on a given, you know, here's a, here's a, here's a show. I mean, we could go with the smaller ones to make it easy, but here's an MMA slate. Here's the combinations. There's all the possible combinations. This is how you calculate it. You say that you could cover all your bases in 150 lineups. And I'm saying no. I'm saying that there are only possible uh, 26,000 lineups or so, whatever the number is. So how is that possible? And then they'll and then they'll go, it's like, yeah, but a lot of those combinations are like all, all the crappy plays. So no one would reasonably play those. And I go, okay, let's eliminate them. Fine, well, how about, how about we eliminate any lineup that's under 49,000 or something? How, is that good for you? It's, okay, that's good for you. How about we eliminate lineups that are median projected or really, really damn low, right? Because people aren't going to play those lineups. And go, okay, okay we, we get rid of those too. You start getting rid of a lot of those lineups and it's like, okay, so not 26,000 combinations. There are uh, 8,000 combinations. It's like, that's still ridiculously way more than 150. And this is for like, this is for like an MMA slate of 12 fights. Imagine this is a 10 game NBA slate. Like, dude, there's a billion combinations. Yeah, yeah, but a lot of the combinations no one would play. So okay, so now now there's a that there's probably more than this, but let's say there's a million now. <laughs> yes, good luck at 150 live lineups being able to get all the all the million combinations. What I'm doing there is explaining here here is how you calculate the combinations of a of a of a lineup. Like, like, not just you're stupid. So that's the only thing that that that's what I'm more perturbed about. Okay, that's what I'm a little. That's what I'm annoyed about. So, so don't be that annoying. You can find me in the Blenders Game Theory channel in the Ardor Roto-Grinders Discord. As always, theoryofdfs.com. Go pick up the advanced players course as well as pick up your custom Excel tools. And uh, and then always email me. Let me know if it's good. If you have any questions, James is around. And uh, I'll, be, I'll be back next Tuesday. Remember, no, no shows Wednesday through Monday. So I'll be back next Tuesday answering your DFS strategy questions and not talking about Rainmaker on the DFS pregame show on rotogrinders.com. 